0: Thank you for downloading, sharing, and listening to this episode of the interviews from These Three Media. I'm Daz Antrobus, and in this episode, I talk to Ian Collins from Talk Radio and talk about his career, the subjects he hates to talk about on the radio, and radio in general. This is a proper geek fest. I've got to get the outtakes on it because they're the best bits.
1: <laughs> what? Well, I can't even find. Far- oh, I know where it is. Hang on. Hang on. I what is that, DJ?
0: That?
1: Is it that? That's there. It is. Am I still there? Yeah, you're still here. Yeah. It was the talk radio YouTube feed. Oh, brilliant! Yeah. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Well you can tell you in it uh, long
0: time. You've got your branding in there straight away before we I start.
1: I know straight away. I know I can't see you or anything. So um allow this page to look I oh, saw so there you go, that's it. There you are. Can you see me now? Uh, it's just gone again. Let's just try and open that up. Brilliant. Hey. How's that, Darren? Is that all right? That's that's really, You can see me now, can you? They've got a fake microphone here. This isn't actually plugged into anything. <laughs> whenever i do anything like this i always think it probably looks better to have that there
0: yeah well you look yeah you look the part now though don't you
1: that's good that's good to hear (laughs) and i got my
0: zesty unhealthy drink after my race to the ice cream van
1: well i was gonna there was a choice of a cobra beer in the fridge uh or a cup of coffee
0: i'm sure off there's a rule you can't do that even if you're not on air is there
1: i know i think that's (laughs) right you're never allowed to drink actually um when you're near a microphone of life, that's right, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ian Collins, it's a pleasure to have you uh, with me today on this episode of the interviews. Um, been a fan of yours for a long time,
1: actually. That's good to hear. Yeah, you mentioned that on the email. I thought it was just a wicked lie, you were saying. And I thought, you know, I'm going to get onto this podcast and it's going to be yeah. some kind of... Basically, you know, I copy
0: and paste it everywhere.
1: Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Big copy and paste thing. And then <laughs> this is going to be some kind of Dom Jolly thing, you know, where suddenly you reveal something horrendous.
0: So basically, I just wanted to know uh, stuff about my uh, broadcasting hero, to be honest. Um, (laughs) The first thing I want to ask you is, because you're a talk radio guy, you're a a very well-informed media person. You know, you do some, a lot of stuff you do goes over my head, right? Because I am a proper anorak. So I love your (laughs) name, your best biscuits. And when you take the mickey out of stuff that you know that people like me are listening to. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So. Have you ever been a Can joke? I just say, I haven't done a name your best biscuit phone in for about 17 years? But
0: you've hinted so, to it not long ago, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I hinted, <laughs> I hinted about not doing it. <laughs> so have it you future bosses are listening to this thinking, You're just the guy that does biscuit phones. <laughs> <laughs> so have you Sorry, ever been I a jock? It you ever been a jock? Like a like a DJ? Did it is that the way it started oh. for you? It's kind of funny because uh, you've hit on something there um, that it kind of was, but only because I worked in local radio, wanted to do kind of phoning stuff. Um, and it was a bit of a mixture of the two. So you had to kind of play music, which doesn't really make you a music DJ. It just makes you a, uh, a presenter who plays music, I suppose. So I've never I've never DJed in that respect. Um I'm full of admiration for people who can do that. I think that's a whole separate skill set um, without sounding horrendous, you know, because you you can get that so badly wrong. You often hear a music station and somebody will say, well, he's only spoken three times an hour. Um, And actually, yeah, you get these really beautifully crafted links that sound great. And the skill in just doing a short link is should never be under The reason people don't notice it, you know, if you listen to a smooth or a magic or one of those is because, you know, it's, it's seamless. And the person doing the, uh, the the link has made it like that. Um, So I've never really done that, but I am still to this day, royally confused and annoyed in equal measure as to why somebody who talks on the radio would be called a DJ. And people still say to me, Oh, you're the DJ. And I just think that's such a weird, it's like calling a plumber an electrician. But, you know, one isn't better than the other. I just don't understand why everybody else doesn't. Am I expecting too much, Darren, from from people?
0: Well, basically, um, I take great pride in myself because I, 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 I went to, um, are we allowed to name drop on this? I don't know what the rules yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. I went to the Bruno Brooks Media School,
1: right? Oh, I remember that. Was that in like Newbury or something?
0: Yes, it was. And yeah. a guy called Neil James was used to be on Ready One years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was my tutor lecturer. Yeah, and he and he told us all I was about nineteen at the time, and he said, "You are not DJs. You are presenters." Right. And I'm like, "All right, okay, fair enough." <laughs> <laughs> so, do you ever correct? Did you get a little bit uppity sometimes? Do they go? Yeah. No, no, extent. you're not. I'm not a DJ. <laughs>
1: Yeah, some, so I have actually done this. It's not very good when someone's going, oh, you're the DJ, aren't you? And I've gone, no. <laughs> oh, and they say, oh, well, somebody told me you work on the radio. Oh, yeah, sorry, I, I do that. Yeah, but I'm not a DJ, which is being a bit pedantic. I'm never pedantic. But it just, I, I find it odd that anybody still uses the word DJ anyway. I mean, do you, do you, I don't know, do you describe Zoe Ball as a DJ or a presenter? I think she's probably first and foremost a presenter. But then what constitutes a DJ? Is it just playing music or is it playing music in a certain way?
0: You've got to have a voice to be a DJ. You've got to have a, you know, a good yeah. afternoon. It's uh, just gone two o'clock and you've got to hit the lyrics on the dot.
1: Yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah. There's all of that. But Sorry, then there's, Neil, Fox. Then there's, <laughs> but <laughs> then there's DJ DJs, aren't there? You know, there's, you know, you, you, the, the people that charge, you know, 30 grand to do your New Year's Eve. Um <laughs> Those What clubs. universe club- are you in? <laughs> the, yeah, well, Pete, I wish I was in Pete Tong's universe, but those those kind of um the club DJs, obviously, and then there's radio DJs. And I don't know whether a radio DJ is just somebody who plays music or whether somebody who plays music in a you know in an, an engaging music-based fashion.
0: Well, I'm a I have done the clubs. Yep. Um <clears throat> I've done clubs in only just because in between in commercial you work in commercial radio I get that but in the music commercial radio industry you've only got to make a tea the wrong way and then they have you in the office for the the chat yeah and then they show you the door um, <laughs> so so I tend to have I do weddings and all that kind of stuff as a backup backup plan yeah. so just in That's case good. something something goes wrong yeah um, but yeah I'm I'm a I think I'm a DJ but I'm a, but I'm a,
1: because you play music and you know how to play music and you know how to time it. And you know what goes with what, you know, (laughs) and And that's uh, that's the point.
0: If we're going to go all anoraki and talk about back timing, I I just look for (laughs) two minute and a half songs to go to the news. I'm not special.
1: (laughs) Did you, when I first worked in radio, I used to just, the challenge to talk up to the lyric was, was immense. And, I used to pride myself in being quite good at it. And I think, and actually the truth was nearly everybody was good at that bit because it's just in you to know. You must have had this, Darren, even if you've not heard the track before, you just know when the lyric's coming in. So just instinctively get it. And then I realised there was more kudos in not talking up to the the lyric because everybody else talked right up to the first word of the song. And I kind of stopped doing it, so I went about five seconds before. Um, and I was quite proud of that. It meant absolutely bugger all, but I was proud of it.
0: Now, you should be proud because people like me that have been on it as long as me can actually talk up and leave enough space to play a dry sweeper that then goes to the lyrics. Now, that's
1: a skill. That's always good, yeah. That's <laughs> always, you can do that. That's always good. Yeah, but it's yeah. never got me a gig anyway. But there you go. Just,
0: <laughs> just an honor thing. Oh, I've done that all right. That sounds yeah. right. Um, so let's talk about your, um, talk radio shows and all of your, I mean, first of all, your podcast, are we allowed to talk about your podcast? Cause you, yeah, absolutely. you kind of do a bit and then you disappear. Then you do a bit, and you disappear, but you make jokes with, is it sideshow Kev, whoever he is? Yeah, I don't know Kev. who he is. Kev, yeah.
1: <laughs> so how, how does like all it. that
0: work? Why, why does it stop and start? Is it cause you're just busy?
1: Because, uh, it's mostly down to basic laziness, to be honest. That's okay. why stops and because we we did the we i can't remember how many episodes we've done um but oddly we were looking back at the from about four years ago just the amount of downloads we had for these these episodes it was called ian collins wants a word for those who haven't heard it and we did it we got a sponsor for it um as well really early on which you know nobody could work that out and it was it's a whole long story as to how that that happened. Um, I'd love to say it was just down to the fact that a car company thought these guys are amazing let's sponsor it but there was a bit more involved in that. Anyway so we had this sponsor we did it every week pretty much for a good year or so um, I think and then it kind of with just other commitments it just petered out a little bit then we came back with Christmas specials and sometimes and it's just about time because as you know it looks like I mean you can just turn up and talk and that can work some of the time. It works in the format that we're doing it now. That's perfect. Um, but if you, you know, you've got various features and you want to make it engaging and entertaining and, and and keep up the kind of things you've been doing before, it does take a bit of work. So you know, an hour long podcast might be another two hours to put together. So that's three hours of your day. And if you've got home from work at five, half five, as I do, um, you know, you haven't always got that. i mean it's slightly easier now of course because we can all sit at home and do stuff rather than you know getting on a train or whatever
0: Uh, on your talk radio show do you uh, are there any subjects that you are nervous about tackling Do do you look at something and go i can't do that that's too raw
1: it's always no i'll tell you what it is it's always um immigration is always tricky because um and I genuinely don't like talking about it because it's usually full of fairly uninformed voices. Um, but, and we know this because of things like Brexit and, you know, various other kind of um, areas of life that are shut, you know, you, you, should, you should be able to talk about immigration. You should absolutely be able to talk about all those things connected to immigration. And, it, and previously, people have felt disenfranchised and missed out because they were told, if you talk about this, then you're a mad racist. And... You know, lots of people who who really are not mad racist are thinking, hang on a sec, I've just got an opinion on, you know, immigration, on social cohesion or whatever it happens to be. But the debate sort of got closed down and then certain high profile figures in the world of politics kind of take it over and then it it gets tarnished again with the, the kind of race brush. So and something as important as immigration from from all angles should be you should be able to talk about that. The trouble is. Is that often people just use the wrong terminology? And I'm not talking about racial slurs, I'm just talking about um you know, if you talk about racism in a casual way, it sounds like you don't care. So somebody rings up and they say, you know, the trouble is when they come over here, and straight away that phrase they come over here will sound and it shouldn't be like this because it's just a statement of fact, but because that's the sort of very phrase that's been picked up on as being, you know, a bit dubious. It just means that you end up policing language in a way that you don't want to police because you want it to be a free debate, but you're also aware that, you know, people can slide very easily into, uh, I don't even mean lazy language, just stereotypical language. And that stereotypical language has now become sort of, reasons to point the finger at people so the just the use of the pronoun they when talking about immigration somehow sounds wrong despite the fact that it's inactive, it sounds uncaring it sounds um, dismissive Uh, and it might not be it might just be somebody's way of conveying their thoughts so my point I think overall is it's just a very tricky um, it's just a very tricky debate to have and of course it comes up quite a lot because of the English Channel story and everything um and it's very very hard to ever get you know to the bottom of it or to get you know it's a bit like brexit in that respect you know you you go, go around in circles
0: you see i i in, in music commercial radio um i fell upon my own sword the other i think it was when was the sam smith story that he wanted to be referred to as they
1: uh, yeah, yeah. Um, was, was that the beginning of this year or the end of last year? I can't, I can't remember. remember.
0: So well, his new single came up on the playlist, and I thought I'm going to be clever here, right? I'm going to say they have a fantastic voice. Yeah. Oh my days, I was hated. Really? Yeah. I was getting because I, I do a family show, uh, a oh, weekly yeah. breakfast show. You know, um, our children listen to this, and obviously Sam Smith is, is a is a man or a boy or a or a male, and and I'm like, I didn't. I was just, he wanted to be referred to as that. So I'm saying, yes, I will, if that's your choice to be referred to like that. I'm not not trying to aggravate you on the school run, love. I'm sorry about
1: that. (laughs) (laughs) You see that, that's also a really tricky area at the moment when you get into kind of gender issues. And the, you know, there's obviously um, some, some huge debates going on between, you know, I mean, J.K. Rowling, for goodness sake, you know, the author of Harry Potter, has found herself as a a, a controversial figure in the gender debate. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. And you think, I'm pretty sure J.K. Rowling doesn't hate anybody. I'm just, in fact, I'm 100% sure she doesn't hate anybody. And it might just be she's got certain views that somebody disagrees with. So you get this kind of, this group of people called TERVs, trans, exclusionary, radical feminists or something. So certain fairly... um, uh, robust and forthright trans voices um don't like there's a a group that they call the radical feminists and radical feminists are saying look whatever goes on in this debate women should also have the word woman should be reserved for people who've got a a woman a a backstory of being female and all that goes with that um and they want to protect that so that group are being called bigots by another group, and J.K. Rowling found, finds herself in that group. And then you've got another group in the trans community who are quite radical and quite right-wing, um, and they don't recognise or acknowledge, or some of them don't recognise or acknowledge, the um, uh, gender... Um, oh, what's the phrase? Uh, not What's the phrase? Non-gender... Um, I'm sure you can cut a bit out, there um, No, <laughs> right, non, non. Um, I can't. Kind of use this phrase every single day. Somebody who essentially describes themselves as having no gender at all—they're neither male nor female. Non-binary. Um, no. Non-binary. Yes. Non-binary. Yes. Yeah. So non-binary I'm a music, <laughs> joke and I know that. <laughs> and so you know, I was interviewing some uh, sort of trans campaigners recently, and they're saying this non-binary thing is nonsense. It's ridiculous, and I, which would be the Sam Smith. I'm thinking, hang on a second. So you've just kind of got to this place where you've suffered discrimination and you think you're now in a place that's a little bit better, but it's not perfect. And now you're saying, but there's another group over there. Um, We don't acknowledge that group. And so this whole labyrinthine discussion about gender is just it's an absolute minefield. It's completely bamboozling, I think, to anybody. And there's a lot of presenters, I think, leave that alone for that reason.
0: I should never have, have, you know, pampered to his whatever he wanted to, us to pamper to uh, when uh, when I referred to him as them or they. But um, what I was trying to get at is that when I joined media and radio, it was yeah. fun. It was exciting. It was kind of cool. You were a bit like a pop star. And you remember them days, don't you? Oh, yeah. you know, being in media was exciting. But now it's if, if my son ever said to me, my eldest son is 16. He wants to work in media. I would say to him, be very, very careful because yeah. you can say one thing that you think is quite funny and it's okay because you're not
1: offending anybody, but the
0: world will jump on you.
1: Yes. And sometimes it's a perception rather than a reality. So companies react to the the fallout, not the actual the actual thing that happened. You know, I've seen statements from people who've, you know, lost their jobs and Companies have said, you know, we completely acknowledge that, you know, our employee did nothing wrong. And, you know, however, we now think there's, you know, sufficient conversation around this. I think this is really strange. And I I see it all the time when, you know, whether it's a comedian on social media or there was a comedian after the, you know, after the Euro final that, you know, said, bunch of terrible things on social media. And I thought, why did he write that? Because he's literally just signed his own death warrant. He'll probably never work again. Um, and it's, you know, it's right that people are called out for saying terrible, um, horrendous and offensive things. I get that, although offense is, you know, in the uh, big debate on that. But some things are categorically wrong. We, know, we also know that. But it's it is strange, isn't it? That, you know, one word, one word, yeah. one moment of madness um, and I'm not. I'm not talking about somebody being a racist or a homophobe. I mean, all of that's a given. Just the wrong thing in the wrong order at the wrong time. Yeah. Bang, you're gone. Yeah. And that
0: yes. includes that includes making a brew in the wrong way.
1: You know? Yeah. that's In fact, that's top of the list.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I went onto Wikipedia, Ian, and I know what you're going to say. Oh, these people who research on Wikipedia, but you get some really good strange stories i don't believe this yeah. for a second did you have a hand in in your very early ready career up north sheffield hallam fm
1: were you involved up there at some point no does it say that on wikipedia
0: i read that somewhere i don't know where i read it from and i'm I, like I'm no he's it's
1: now ringing a bell <laughs> because it's now making me think that i have read that from somewhere i used to um because i was doing a podcast the other day and we were reminiscing about when you went around the country and you'll remember this and, and, you know, if you're a bit of a radio Anorak and you went from region to region (laughs) and you heard the jingles on, you know, in Cambridgeshire or Red Rose in Lancashire or, you know, Hallam 210 FM and, you know, all of these different Piccadilly, all of these different. um, And it was, it was magical, wasn't it? If you, if you love radio, that was a magical thing. How are they doing it in Cumbria? How are they doing it in Norfolk? How does it sound in Cornwall? Um, and it was, to me, that was incredible. And, and as we all know now, you know, look, most of these, not all, but most of these radio companies are owned by just a couple of companies. Um, and some have kept a certain identity and others have just, you know, gone on to be sort of capitals or hearts um, or whatever. Uh, but I just remember, whenever you say, Hallam, like straight away, that, that's one of those trigger words for me that takes me back to, so, you know, so that you- sense of when local radio was local radio. <laughs> So,
0: have you, you're not from Sheffield then, no?
1: No, I'm not. Where are you, no. where are you, Darren? Now,
0: can you tell from my
1: accent where I'm from? Well, you're somewhat, well, I would, see, you're going to hate this. I would have said, I would have probably said Manchester. You what? I know, is that the end <laughs> of the podcast?
0: <laughs> Thanks very much, Ian. And uh, <laughs> yeah, keep in touch. Yeah. Um. No, Stoke on Trent. Are you Stoke on Trent? You You've me? never been to Stoke on Trent, have you, you're, you're the guy. I, I, I'm sorry to say it, but you don't strike me as the sort of person that's. I've been to the potteries,
1: eh? I was the mayor of Stoke on Trent for oh, three right. years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, I've only been to Stoke on Trent uh, when stuck at a train station. Um, and I'm so tra- purely by accident. <laughs> yeah but there's loads of places that happens to doesn't it it's a bit like stockport just to sort of bring a bit more of a mancunian vibe into it um yeah i've never been to stockport other than on, on the train
0: stock on Trent's great i mean we have things up here like oat cakes
1: yeah i mean they do exist elsewhere
0: <laughs> oat cakes. No, no no I no
1: if I rummaged through my cupboard i'd find an oat cake what's an I'd oat cake a- ian describe to me an oat cake. I've got no, I don't even I've no <laughs> idea. What is it? Is it kind of one of the is it round? No. And is it got, is it
0: not? It, it is round, but it's very flat and flimsy. Okay. It's savory, not a cake.
1: All right. A savory oat cake.
0: You can roll it up and you put in it's great when you when you've had a few jars the night before. You roll it yeah. up.
1: Roll it you, what cheese. is a split for a no. cake? <laughs> <What>? <laughs>
0: And, it's, and you put cheese in it and you can put egg in it and you, you basically you can put a breakfast in it and you roll it up.
1: Isn't that just an omelette? No. <laughs> no. Omelet. I can't believe I've never had an oat cake,
0: No, nor has uh, Harry Judd from McFly that I believe this week when I did an interview with him. And he, he looked at me like you are
1: like, what are you
0: talking about?
1: But it sounds like, because you know, like, you get... Like the the word oat and wheat are like big words at the moment for cakes and bars, oat bar, wheat bar, you know, oat snacks, bag of oats, bag of wheat, blah blah. So it sounds like, well, I must have had an oat cake. I must have had an oat cake, and you've just described something I've never had.
0: I'm going to have to. Um, I, no, I'm not going to. I was going to say I'm going to have to get you to have one, but I, I can't even send you one down there to try or anything like that because that's just a bit weird. So. I'll scrap that what yeah. I've just said. Let's move on anyway and leave food where it is. Uh, because if we, if we talk food, we're going to get on to your favourite and my favourite item of food, which is a bucket of the <laughs> Colonel's finest. Absolutely.
1: Yes, <laughs> so, correct.
0: Uh, and I'm still fighting the lockdown weight. But talking about lockdown, um, yeah. talk radio, You, I don't know who's in charge of talk radio because uh, I work for a very small commercial broadcaster, so I don't know who's in charge of yep. uh, you guys down there. But what he's done with the TV aspect thing, for an anorak like me, is fantastic. It is brilliant.
1: It's amazing, isn't it? I was talking to. Um, I went to the. I went to the swimming pool. I went to the gym this morning, where there's a pool. And this guy, I've. It's always funny when this happens. This guy, I've, I've like talked to when I go there just to say hello. He said, um, "He said, well, can I just ask you something?" He said, "I was just looking around my telly." the weekend and i came across this station um called talk radio and he said i I put it on and there was an advert for a show He said the guy really looks like you he said is that you on there and what was interesting about that i only tell you that darren because i told my boss this same story today because it was the first time somebody had specifically referenced not the visual that happens a lot now but the fact that it was through an app on a television so the word television was intrinsically linked with the word radio in, in, in somebody's mind. And when I first started at Talk Radio, so Talk Radio was owned by News UK, who owned The Sun, The Times, Sunday Times, HarperCollins, Wall Street Journal, all of the above. Um, and they just, and Talk Sport, obviously, and Virgin. Um, so we're all in the same room. There's us in the middle, there's Virgin to the left, and uh, TalkSport to the, to the right on the same floor um and at some point i think fairly early on but somebody decided that it would be a good idea to just start filming it i think this was before i worked there and then they obviously thought this could be quite good this could be our usp this could really work for us and then decided to um you know start making good the background so it wasn't just a studio it was purpose-built nice screens And then more camera angles. Um, And then fast forward to where we are today. I mean, I work in radio. I used to be able to go to work dressed like this. Um, I now walk into work in a suit with a tie. And the first room I have to head for is the makeup department. (laughs) Where uh, Marta and Magda diligently make some very ropey looking people (laughs) look rather good. Um, and now it's it's kind of all about that Um, it's I mean it won't suit every radio station but for talk radio that's become absolutely huge so it's gone from being something you could just watch on YouTube to being a dedicated app on your phone or your you know your your tablet your smart I feel like I'm doing a live read so it's a bit like that (laughs) But now, because TVs are smart TVs as well, and you have apps on your television, you know it's also on there as well. So this straight, I know some people kind of have a they scratch their head and go, "No, no, radio should be radio," and that's the that's the beauty of it and the magic of it that you don't see all of that, um, and that will be the case and should be the case for you know for, for many formats. But actually, for talk radio, it just works and it's become a big thing. So you suddenly have, you know, we're all in the commercial world here. Um, regardless of how many listeners you've got listening to you on the radio, you know, you've got sort of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, collectively millions, who are tuning into these videos and and digesting, you know, either entire shows to to watch back, uh, listen again, or, you know, best of interviews, that kind of thing. Because the other thing is all the guests as well are also now. They'll all come in on Zoom or they'll be in the studio. So the guests are also visual it's a, it's a massive change. I mean, it's mind-blowing, really.
0: But it's not new, though, is it, Ian? No, not new. entirely. Radio, InVision Radio is not new. Think back to Pip Schofield, Brim Cupboard. That was like an InVision presenter in a little studio.
1: Yeah,
0: um, I do remember Gary Terza that did CITV InVision in the 1980s, early
1: 90s. I remember CITV being InVision, yeah. yeah. But, of course, James Whale, who'd previous you know, who a done radio air and became a TV show as well was kind of predates all of that, I guess. So
0: so there's nobody in your, say in your board meeting or whatever you do when you've all getting together and talking about it. Has no one ever said this has been done before. This is a nice throwback to, to what used to be done a few years. Back. I,
1: I think, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's sufficiently different enough now in that it's, I, I mean, before, like, Phil, Philip Schofield in the broom cupboard, he wasn't, you know, whether, I don't know whether it was a radio studio or a control room, but it wasn't mm. real, you know. Or well, some of it was real, actually, as I remember. So I think he, he did program. Yeah. round and come so on. <laughs> It was more about the set than anything. Yeah. Um, it was more meant to look, because I think radio studios look magical. I think these things, you know, are still magical. Um, headphones are still, you know, magical. Yeah. Um, even though now we have to wear those little kind of things that you'd expect Gary Barlow to be wearing um, (laughs) so that they don't see the headphones above your head. Um, So I think they've just really, you know, capitalised on something that they thought, you know, will this work? It appears to have worked. And they've really run with it and, and thrown a lot of resources at it to make sure that it, you know, it becomes their thing. So in radio terms, I think talk radio have kind of, you know probably scuppered a lot of people on that one
0: what's next for talk radio can they go any further or have they come to a point where we've done everything we can with the basic idea of radio There's nothing I mean, I, I,
1: yeah i think talk, i mean i think talk radio is very much still in the ascendancy it, it's kind of still being discovered by a lot of people um when i when i first started in in national radio which was on the original talk radio um and then that became talk sport um And I've told this story a load of times that I remember when talk radio started. So, talk radio started in 95. uh, But in around about 98, somebody, I can't remember who it was, producer or whoever, said, in 20 years' time, there'll be 50 of these stations in the country's national talk stations. And the reality is, in 20 years' time, there's actually less than there was in 1998, because although talk radio is back, um, there's LBC which is now national through DAB. Um, I mean, five live to a degree, but that's sport as well as, you know, in the States, literally every state, as you know, has, you know, 10, 15, 20 talk stations, just talk, doing news and current affairs. Um, and in the UK, we don't, we just haven't really gone there. So I think with talk radio coming into vision as well, and and talk radio is a little bit more alternative than You know, certainly in the BBC, in in that it does explore, um, you know, other narratives. It does ask some of those questions that don't get asked. You know, lots of, even COVID, you know, there's a you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to to want to ask questions about, you know, stuff that doesn't make sense. If anybody's made sense of COVID, then you're either a witch or you're kind of, you know, somebody that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> know something in the higher echelons of government, the rest of us don't know. It, it simply doesn't make sense, but none of it makes sense. Um, so we'll ask questions around some of those areas that don't make sense. Um, you know, if I was reading the other day just to dwell on that point for a second, because you do have to be careful, because the minute you question, there is a belief that if you say anything that questions the narrative, you're called a conspiracy theorist. Now, I'm the guy that attacks the conspiracy theorists. So it's very unusual if I get called a conspiracy theorist, because I'm normally doing the, taking the pee out of the conspiracy theorists, and there are plenty of them um, who, who who say the most extraordinary things. But there was this stat I was reading about, and we, we, we confirmed it, that you know a, lo- a lot of people have died in the last year and a half. 135,000 people uh, have died of, or... or Within 28 days of having a positive test, as we now know, um, and under 30s, the figure is 260. I think it is so. 260 people under 30 out of 130,000 have died with COVID written on their death certificate. In all probability, people with some very chronic underlying health conditions. So you could go as far as saying it's you know it's pretty unusual, almost unheard of for anybody under 30 to die with with COVID in any capacity. So why would you want to vaccinate all those people given that in any other walk of life, doctors will do everything not to give you medicine, even when you think you want it. They'll always go, no, 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 no. So that's not unreasonable to ask that question. I asked a virologist that question today and he gave me quite a good answer. It, It divided the room, but it's not unusual to ask that. And I think we're living in a world where not enough places ask those questions. That's not a conspiratorial question. That's a question that anyone with a brain would ask themselves. What, and fine, there's a great answer. It doesn't mean there's some shady Illuminati out there cooking up plans and trying to control the world. It's just a question. But they get, my experience is, they're not, those kind of questions aren't asked enough. And I think talk radio have been pretty good at, at asking those questions.
0: Um, I want to go back and talk about the anorak stuff. Um, now, this is, you're a talk radio host and yeah. I'm not a talk radio host. So if I say something wrong, I'll probably get the sack tomorrow, right? But <laughs> commercial, commercial music radio is not what it used to be. Am I right in saying that? That's about right, isn't it? You know, the, yeah,
1: absolutely. I,
0: I can't walk out of my studio and send a demo to my mate that works in another local radio station and go, you got anything going? Yeah, come down and see us. That doesn't happen anymore, does it? That's correct. Correct. So, but what I want to get at is, um, where do you stand Ian Collins on, on looking at all of these big groups that have bought up all these radio stations? Now I completely get the business makes the world go round. Yeah. That's the world we live in. I understand that. I'm not bitter about that. Uh, but what I am a little bit bitter about being a, a commercial music radio presenter is that, um, how would somebody like me move somewhere else? So my advice from you,
1: Ian Collins. Yeah, what, what's my next? I'm 40. What's my next step? So I remember when, again, one of those conversations that I'm, I'm sure you had as well. When I first worked in in local radio, as in didn't get paid, just you to turn up. Uh, I remember two things. I remember the head of music <clears throat> saying. We were talking about American stations that play, you know, when that that voice goes, and now another eight in a row. And it used to seem incredible that any station could play eight songs in a row without somebody talking. And this guy said to me, he said, I promise you, he said, there will be a time when stations in this country are playing eight songs in a row. It will happen. Um, And he said, and I'll also tell you there'll be a time when, you know, two or three companies will own all the radio stations. To go back to our previous conversation about, you know, the, the beauty of all these different, um, you know, even seeing the logos of all those different stations was was magical. And, um, and of course, both those things turned out to be correct. And and it's funny because, I you know, I, I worked for a company, the last company I worked for, that kind of do own most of those or many of those stations. And I remember being in the staff meetings when they would say, oh, we've just acquired this group or that group and we'll be changing the name to this and that group will be called that and part of me thought wow that's if I owned this station I'd be doing just exactly that but there was another part of me and it was only the romantic part that thought you know that's kind of strange because it has sort of lost a, a localness that said if I was listening to you just by dint of your accent and your kind of you know, your your knowledge of the terrain of if the area.
0: Can men- I stop you? If you mention the Beeb, by the way, my local radio, BBC radio station, I'm going to throw my phone at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> because that door has closed on me four or five times over in the last three years.
1: It's no. opened, closed, opened, closed. <laughs> it's <laughs> kind of strange, because before I went to talk radio, I had a little moment at the Beeb, um, at BBC Kent. So your station would be BBC... Radio Stoke. But of course, BBC Radio Stoke. In fact, there's somebody from Radio Stoke that has, I can't remember who it is, that tweets me every now and again, or used to. Is it a lady? No, it's a guy.
0: And I can't think who it is. Oh, it might be John Acres or somebody. Or
1: Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's kind of strange, isn't it? Because the BBC is sort of, you know, slightly, um, and they changed all the local schedules, didn't they, after, you know, which, you know, the schedule on BBC Stoke timing wise is now the same as the one on BBC Kent. Um, and they got rid of the most of the double headers and all, all of that business. Um, and now I no longer really understand the point of BBC local radio uh, than anything. And you know, I, I get the, you know, breakfast shows, you know, do have their local content. And it's, it's kind of as if like, let's play loads more music. But also name check all the local places. See, so that makes everybody feel good, and that's it.
0: I need to interject here, Colin, because I've got um, some a really good story to tell you. Right, so I've sent my my BBC style demo. Right, I said I said this interview was going to go really anorak styly but and obviously yeah. it has. Um, so I've sent it to BBC Birmingham, sent it to a number of other BBC stations out of the area, and they all love it. They said if you lived locally to here, the door would be open for you. Ah. Right, I'm like, great, but you've got a Stoke-on-Trent accent, so you need to send it to X, Y, and Z there. I do that, and they go, nothing here for you at the moment because we've got plenty of local presenters. No, they haven't. The breakfast presenter is from Southampton. The breakfast producer is from on the south coast somewhere. That's interesting. The mid-morning presenter is from Birmingham. Why are they not on their own
1: BBC station? So nobody actually on air is a stoking yeah <laughs> so i'm like I, it's, it's funny because you're right bbc essex i think i think i'm right in saying that the breakfast show presenter is from edinburgh <laughs> so but that wouldn't the only place that wouldn't work is that you or i could never get a job on bbc scotland yes in you a million years would you want to go to scotland <laughs> Do radio no, no I, I oddly i haven't applied there for uh or oh, weeks, but they wouldn't, they they just wouldn't put an English voice on a Scottish radio station, but they would put a Scottish voice. In, to make it even more mysterious, they would put an Irish voice, which isn't even the same country, on an English radio station. Yes. Um, so, you know, you have Roland Keating doing the, the magic breakfast. Um, but, that, I mean, that's national, but, you know, even locally. So I, I've never quite known how that accent thing works. That's kind of strange, isn't it?
0: I I've, I've just come to the the fact that now I'm 40 I just think I think I'm in my last radio gig for my career unfortunately. I think when when my boss who is a businessman decides to sell out and 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 call it a day um I think that'll be me done. I need to go and find a, a paper round again or something. <laughs> I don't know. I'm qualified yeah. for nothing apart from talking. So
1: I know it's weird, isn't it? I think um I mean BBC is you know, should have a place. And I, I just don't quite know what it is now. Because, as you say, radio, uh, music radio-wise, that's kind of not really... I don't know where, where the ne- next evolution is of that. I don't know if there is another evolution other than, you know, keep playing. I mean, I'm always amazed when, you know, because you talk to somebody who's, you know, some friends of ours, their daughter, who's about 13 or 14, and I asked her, you know, summer barbecue what radio station she listened to. Um, so this is absolutely true. She didn't know what the word radio meant. Right. So she said, "What? what's that? What's a radio station? I said, that plays music. She said, what, like Spotify? So like would well, know, but they're stations. So I, had to, I was trying to explain what a... She had no concept of it. She, they, she doesn't listen to a radio station. And then when you look, you know, when the listening figures come out, you know, it says that, you know, capital across the UK has 66 trillion listeners. And you think, wow, so people are still listening. heart has got, you know, similar number, Kiss, whatever, Magic, all, you know, all the usual suspects. You think, well, so there is still lots and lots of people listening to conventional radio, despite that the next group, you know, not Um and it's kind of funny, isn't it? It's I don't know where that goes. Well,
0: a lot of my old radio colleagues from other stations that have lost their jobs, um, they've said to me, why don't you get yourself involved in a community station? I go, well, I've got a problem with community stations. I live in a world where I have to pay bills. Yes. Um, so maybe yeah. I can talk to our mortgage provider at home and go, going to go work for free because that's the only thing I can <laughs> do. So do you mind?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True enough. Yeah,
0: sure Ian Collins, I know you've got a shoot anyway. Um, so thank you thank, you, thank you so much. Uh, we can talk about this for a long, long time, and yeah, it's yeah, been a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, just just before you go, just one more last thing. Um, yeah. judging from me talking to you now, would I make it as a talk show or a talk radio host? Would I carry yeah, one? You've, of- got
1: a, you've, got, you've got a fantastic voice, and you've got a good I mean, there is something about the the regional accent, I envy the regional accent because, you know, I'm now bog standard Southern accent. And I just think that's, you know, in the world we're currently in, it's funny how we all have these kind of like um, the the sort of self-analysis of who we are.
0: It's the delivery that matters, doesn't
1: it? Yeah. When I first wanted to get into radio, yeah. When I first wanted to get into radio years ago, I probably had the right voice. And now I always think, wow, if you've got a bit of an accent, I think that gives you an edge. It gives you an attitude, even if so. I think you could be, with your accent, you could be a worse presenter than me, but sound like a better one. <laughs> because the accent can do it. I don't mean specifically me and you. I mean, generally speaking, I think an accent can buy you, can buy you a lot of... There's various things. The tone of voice can buy you um, X amount of house points with, you know, with the, with bosses or with listeners. So tone of voice accent can be another one. Um, I mean, if Anton Deck <laughs> had Southern accents, they wouldn't be Anton Deck. No,
0: but basically you're yeah, saying I'm, I'm crap, but I'm an interesting guy, basically. Yeah,
1: it's exactly that. It's exactly that. Yeah.
0: Thanks a lot yeah. for that. Anyway, that's um, that's I am now going to go and listen. <laughs> you said, to you I'm going to listen <laughs> to Tommy Boyd's old podcast.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you take the point, though, that I think that, yeah, I think your accent is not only uh, a great accent and a great voice, by the way, as well as your accent, uh, but still widely missing in kind of talk formats. It's just not there, really. It's just simply not there. Yeah. You know, who's, I, who's, who's that person nationally that has that accent?
0: But you've got to be a well known name, you're a well known household name um all your colleagues are well-known household names so little dazantribus from snee green in stogon trent ain't gonna jar the door open you know what i mean
1: yeah but i think there's never been a time now when people don't better than now when people just don't you know the idea that you've somehow got to have worked x amount of years you've got to have been on fleet street for 14 years and all that i i misguidedly thought you still had to do all that stuff um and now, you know, somebody will be on air. I'll look at the schedule and somebody's on air and I'll think, hang on, how did that happen? Not necessarily on our <laughs> station, you know. And you, what, what do they do? They've never been on the radio in their life. Yeah. And they've got it on and they're actually you think, they're actually quite good as well. Just to make <laughs> it even more annoying. They're actually quite good. How did this happen? So strange times.
0: Fantastic. Ian Collins, uh, absolute legend. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you for talking to me. It's It's uh, a
1: pleasure. It's a pleasure. Have a good one. Cheers, Darren.
0: Keep checking back to the interviews podcast series from these three media for more exciting podcasts from famous people, not so famous people and interesting people that have a story.